Hey friends, this is Matt Sewell, and you're listening to episode 81 of the Popecast, the only podcast about popes where you'll find non-boring stories on the successors of St. Peter, and a reminder that all the world's problems have happened plenty of times before. Well, gang, Christmas is right around the corner, and let me tell you, there's nothing that says I love you to your loved ones or to yourself that some good-smelling stuff from our sponsors over at Catholic Balm Co. A friend and I were just chatting the other day, and she stopped all of a sudden and said, wait a minute, do you have chrism beard balm on? It smells like baptism in here. And wouldn't you know it, she was right. So, if you like the idea of that being you, or you being the one catching a whiff of something divine, head on over to catholicbalm.co to check out all their stuff, and be sure to enter the word Pope at checkout, P-O-P-E, for 10% off your entire order. Once more, that's catholicbalm.co and the word Pope at checkout. So today's episode is about a Pope who kept his head down and worked tirelessly for the good of Christendom for all of his decade and a half in office. And in an age where secular rulers used the papacy as their plaything, he refused to be anyone's puppet and ended up paying the ultimate price. And what's more, everyone thought he was a bad pope until not all that long ago. This week on the Popecast, it's the pope who got a bad rap, Pope John X. They were dark days in Rome, the time in which we find Pope John X enter history. Despite being born around the year 860 AD during the papacy of St. Nicholas the Great, he was a teenager when the first pope in history was assassinated, that being John VIII, episode number 67. He was in his mid-twenties when Pope Formosus's corpse was exhumed and put on trial by his successor before being thrown in the Tiber River. And the turn of the 10th century brought perhaps the darkest age of the papacy. Indeed, it's been named accordingly since then as the Seculum Obscurum, quite literally the Dark Age, or more colloquially as the Pornocracy, for its reputed showcase of some of the lowest morals and worst corruption anywhere in Catholic history. Now, there were some very shady characters during the 900s, to be sure, but from the outset it's important to note that most of that age's reputation is a result of one single chronicler, Bishop Lutbrand of Cremona, who, though seen as a valuable resource for that time period, is notorious for having been incredibly biased. One might even use the word catty when it came to writing about the populations and prominent figures who he hated, and the Romans were among those on Lutbrand's bad side. Now, with all that in mind, the future Pope John X hailed from northern Italy, the region of Bologna to be exact, where he grew up and was eventually made a deacon by Peter IV, the bishop of Bologna at that time. It was in that role that John caught the eye of the infamous Theodora, wife of the Roman senator Theophylact I of Tusculum, and one half of the most powerful couple in Rome at the time. And so began his ascent through the ranks of the Catholic Church. His next stop was being named as the Archbishop of Ravenna in the year 905. John was actually consecrated by Pope Sergius III himself, the Pope who started that particular dark age, thanks to things like, oh, you know, having his two predecessors murdered and likely fathering an illegitimate son with Theodora's daughter Morosia, who would eventually become Pope John XI. Back to the story. John remained as Archbishop of Ravenna for eight or nine years before succeeding Pope Lando in the chair of Peter, you know, the great champion of the empire, the man of great conscience who eventually became a general in the rebel alliance. Wait a second, I might have the wrong Lando. My mistake. But around March 914, John was summoned to Rome by Theophylact and Theodora to fill the vacancy and become the 121st successor of St. Peter. 
Lutbrand, in his account of the tale, attributes that rise to John having an affair with Theodore, but the Catholic Encyclopedia soundly refutes the idea, saying that, quote, this statement is generally and rightly rejected as a calumny. Lutbrand wrote his history some 50 years later and constantly slandered the Romans, whom he hated. At the time of John's election, Theodore was advanced in years and is lauded by other writers. John was a relative of Theodore's family, and this explains sufficiently why she secured his election. End quote. Think of it like that movie that Jim, Pam, and Andy watched on The Office. Not exactly super realistic that Jack Black would actually pursue Cloris Leachman in real life, but at any rate. After being elected as H.W. Crocker III recounts in his book Triumph, quote, Pope John X was called upon to raise Islam's crescent flag from central Italy, which the Muslimen were laying desolate organizing a military task force that included armies of Italian noblemen and Byzantine naval support, he drove the moor from Italy, a feat he was fond of remembering. End quote. John X, full of energy and zeal for his new gig, did spend the better part of that first year rounding up support for a strong response to the invading Saracens, knowing that his own papal armies would stand no chance on their own. He was able to join together several princes and kings from both east and west alike, a foreshadowing of the Crusades perhaps a century later. And John personally led the three-month siege of Saracen forces at the Battle of Garigliano, a river stronghold in central Italy. The Allied forces emerged victorious, decisively, and he afterwards crowned the Lombard king Berengar as Holy Roman Emperor for his trouble. After the Saracen threat had been neutralized, John was able to turn his attention elsewhere, sending diplomats to Germany to establish friendly relations there and to France, where something slightly more strange was afoot. Herbert II, the Count of Vermandois in the south of France, had captured and imprisoned King Charles the Simple and demanded that his five-year-old son be named the Archbishop of Reims, an influential French see, as a weird sort of ransom. Amazingly, the Pope ended up saying fine when the king's release was promised, making the kid one of the youngest bishops ever. Of course, he didn't actually rule or anything. It was all for the money that such an appointment would bring to the family coffers. And as it turned out, the boy was stripped of his appointment six years later anyway, and the king ended up dying in captivity. Pope John X was also notable for his support of the fledgling monastic reform movement that was just gaining steam at the soon-to-be-famous Cluny Abbey, namely by confirming their strict rule of life and by interceding on their behalf with the French king to restore property that had been unceremoniously stolen from them some years earlier. He also at one point gave more land to the Subiaco Abbey, simply in exchange for the Benedictines there offering special prayers for his salvation. The Cluniac Reform, as it came to be called, effectively the cleaning up of the church's moral life among the clergy especially, wouldn't see its full flowering for another about 150 years under Pope St. Gregory VII and St. Peter Damien, but John X's efforts certainly helped to lay a strong foundation. Now, the end of John X's papacy was also the most dramatic stage in his 14 years at the helm. It all started when three of his biggest supporters, Berengar, the Holy Roman Emperor, Theophylact, the Roman senator who had appointed him, and Albrecht I of Spoleto, Theophylact's son-in-law, who had helped defeat the Saracens in 916, all died in the course of a year, between 924 and 925. That left Roman secular power in the hands of Morosia, who we mentioned at the beginning, Albrecht's widow and Theophylact's daughter, who was, to put it lightly, certifiably crazy. It also meant that John X's fate was in her hands now as well something he likely wasn't too keen on. 
Marosia, for her part, remember, was the one who started all of this pornocracy BS, which literally means, by the way, pornocracy means rule by prostitutes. And she perpetuated the degeneracy by her blood for no less than four generations. Ironically, Marosia is up there in the rankings of the most fruitful papal lineage. She hooked up with Sergius III to produce an illegitimate son who became Pope in John XI, and then had two grandsons become Pope in John Twelfth, the one, remember, who was murdered getting caught in bed by his mistress's husband, and Benedict VII. She also had two great-grandsons in Benedict VIII and John Nineteenth, and even one great-great-grandson, the infamous Benedict IX, that ingrate who was Pope three times. But once Berengar was assassinated and both daddy and husband number one were dead, Rome and the surrounding regions became one giant chessboard. To the winner goes the spoils. Morosia assumed the unprecedented title of Senatrix and Patricia of Rome and sought to consolidate power by opposing the Pope and marrying the Italian nobleman and military commander Guy of Tuscany. John, seeing the writing on the wall, tried to thwart the effort by making his brother, Peter, the new Duke of Spoleto, replacing Morosia's late husband, Albrecht, and naming Hugh of Arles as the new King of Italy. Now, Guy and Morosia, madly in love and drunk on the thought of dominion over the realm, were threatened by those moves, of course. So the two sides sparred on and off amidst relative anarchy in Rome for the next few years, but it all came to a head in the year 928. By then, Morosia decided that John had to go. So Guy secretly gathered up a small band of troops and ambushed John and Peter in the Lateran Palace. Peter was reportedly brutally killed right in front of his brother, while John was seized, thrown into prison, and deposed of his papal crown. Within a couple of months, John X died, likely being suffocated to death at the hands of his captors. Following his untimely demise, he at least was granted a dignified burial at some point, having been entombed in the Lateran Basilica, which he had been zealous in restoring some years earlier, and it is there that he resides to this day. As for John X's legacy, for many centuries, his memory was not exactly recalled fondly, but that, as we mentioned at the outset of this episode, was largely due to Lutbrand of Cremona's rather unscrupulous taste in Roman bashing that in turn seeped into interpretations of the papacy by opponents of the Catholic Church around the time of the Protestant Reformation, which were equally unflattering toward John, as one might imagine. But thankfully, later scholarship and legitimate biographies have since vindicated the papacy and personage of Pope John X, showing definitively that he just kind of got a bad rap, as the episode's title alludes. Father Horace Kinderman, for example, the foremost historian on the medieval papacy during the early 20th century, cited the German historian Ferdinand Gregorovius, who was no automatic friend of the Pope's, to be sure, as having written, quote, John X, however, the man whose sins are known only by report, whose great qualities are conspicuous in history, stands forth amid the darkness of the time as one of the most memorable figures among the popes. The acts of the history of the church praise his activity and his relations with every country of Christendom, and since he confirmed the strict rule of Cluny, they extol him further as one of the reformers of monasticism, end quote. And so at the end of the day, you can always tell a tree by its fruits. So despite reigning in an ugly time and being related to a band of scoundrels in Morosia and her ilk, his deposition, his support of monastic form, his merciful treatment of the Norsemen, which we'll get into in a moment, among others, lead us to believe that though John X was no saint, he was certainly much better than history has often led us to believe. So that about does it for the story of John X, but we always like to end these episodes where possible with words from the pen of the man himself. 
So the snippet we have to share today from John the 10th is a showcase of the continued influence that the office of Peter in general had in those days on the conversion of the Normans, specifically the Vikings that had settled in Normandy in what is now France. So fun fact, it was actually Rollo who was depicted in the History Channel show Vikings as the brother of Ragnar Lothbrok. I mean, historically probably inaccurate, but Rollo himself was actually a real guy. And at any rate, the Archbishop of Rheims had asked the Pope on converting the Norsemen to Christianity. And this is what John X had to say back in 914 AD. Quote, Your letter has filled me at once with sorrow and with joy, with sorrow at the sufferings you have to endure not only from the pagans, but also from the Christians, with gladness at the conversion of the Northmen, who once reveled in human blood, but who now, by your words, rejoice that they are redeemed by the life-giving blood of Christ. For this we thank God and implore him to strengthen them in the faith. As to how far, inasmuch as they are uncultured and but novices in the faith, they are to be subjected to severe canonical penances for their relapsing, killing of priests, and sacrificing to idols, we leave to your judgment to decide, as no one will know better than you the manners and customs of this people. You will, of course, understand well enough that it will not be advisable to treat them with the severity required by the canons, lest thinking they will never be able to bear the unaccustomed burden that they return to their old errors, end quote. Well, that's it for the story of the Pope who got a bad rap, Pope John X. We hope you enjoyed it, especially if you're a new listener. Please, if you haven't already, leave us a rating and review over at iTunes. That always helps uh, more people to find the show. And also, if you like, please uh, just text this episode to a friend. Share it with somebody who you think might appreciate this type of papal history, this uh, this church history. Uh, and also, again, a thank you to all of our patrons, especially James, our newest patron, Without you guys, we could do none of this. Um, of course, the podcast will always be free to listen to, but if you'd like to join the community and help ensure we can continue producing the show long into the future, the costs to produce the show are not free, um, please visit patreon.com slash the podcast. It's patreon.com slash the podcast. It's also linked in the show notes if you'd like to check that out. So as we head out today, let us pray for the soul of Pope John X. And keep in mind that what matters is not how the world sees us, but rather how God sees us in eternity. And as always, let us remember that although these are strange times we live in, they are no stranger than in ages past. Until next time.